Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento. In today's episode, this is a guest who I connected with quite a while ago. A few months ago, him and I had the conversation or the opportunity to chat on the phone and we talked about a a topic that he is incredibly passionate about and something that scares the rest of us. Sales. This guy is an incredible salesman, an incredible sales strategist, someone who really understands intimately how sales fits in with business as the essential function to bring revenue through the door. He's absolutely brilliant at what he does. He's going to change so much of our philosophies and so much of our perspectives on sales. So let me tell you about him. His name is Bill Bradshaw. He's not just a sales executive and entrepreneur. He's a visionary leader who believes that the alignment of people, products, processes, and accountabilities is the key to success in any business endeavor. With a career spanning several decades and a remarkable track record, which I'm going to brag to you about in just a second for him, Bill has played a pivotal role in the growth of numerous companies from startups to established enterprises. Bill has served as CEO at his company, Simplified Sales Strategies, where he's led the charge in providing outsourced VP of sales functions for a diverse range of client companies. I think this is a really fascinating part of Bill's approach is it works in industrial industries, it works in small businesses, agencies, wherever it is that you're operating. One such example of that is that he's also been the president of Affinity Management Group, where he accelerated revenue from $400,000 to an astonishing $7.5 million in just 18 months. And let's not forget his role of VP of sales and co-founder at Achilles Group, which is a company recognized as one of the fastest growing industries in its categories. I'm not going to say much more about Bill because his track record speaks for himself. He's been featured in Forbes for all of his expertise. We are all going to learn from him directly here on the show. So let's dive straight into my interview with Bill Bradshaw. Bill, we've got so much that we're going to dive into today, but first things first, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, bro. Very excited to be here. Heck yeah. I do know it when you meet, when you say it, you mean it, that you are excited here because you can't help but talk about sales excitedly. Listeners love hearing the stories from the guests themselves. Give us that short version of your story. How the heck did you get into all this stuff? Because Bill, sales are scary. Well, when I, when I first got started, I started with... Um, I've always been a serial entrepreneur and I've always either owned my own businesses and um, partnered with folks. And right now it is, I was always a sales partner. I was, I was with like at Achilles group. Um, I had two um, HR professionals and I was the cool sales guy and uh, we drove sales that way. But as we were getting it started, um, we're sitting there looking at our money and said, well, how much can we pay ourselves? And they said, well, we can do this. And we're looking at it and I'm saying salespeople get paid way different than, than HR people. So he said, well, we got to figure something out. And um, I started doing this in the evenings with my time and um, where I was the fractional CFO for some of our clients and so forth, just to help us get, you know, get over the hump. So when you're talking about building businesses and getting over that hump and how do you pay for it? You know, I've been there. I've been there and done it. Yeah, Bill. But part of that is what I hear in your story. I love the fact that you guys were sitting there saying, how do we pay ourselves? Because that feels like one of the scariest parts of growing any business is that reliable revenue, that ability to reliably get sales. When we're employees, we get a check every week. That's beautiful. But as entrepreneurs, we have to. We are at the mercy. We're no longer practitioners. That's what I always remind people. We are, it's inevitable, you are a marketer. You are a salesperson. Bill, 
How do we even go about getting repeatable sales? Where do we even talk about sales? I'm curious from your perspective, what the, the project scope of sales is. Where does sales start and where does it end? It's funny is that um, it's usually the beginning and the end, so to speak. When, when you look at it, it is, you know, what, what am I selling? What, what product or service am I selling? And then what are the benefits of that? How am I helping people? you know, businesses and so forth. And you have to really define that and understand what your features and benefits are. Then once you define those features and benefits, then you can talk about how you're going to sell it. And when you talk about selling, you know, um, a sales process. Okay. And a lot of people say, well, I've got a sales process. I know how it works. And when I go into them, I say, well, show it to me. And they're like, Oh no, it's right. It's right here, Bill. It's right here in my head. And, and I'm like, if we don't have a sales process written out, how can we tweak it? How we can, how can we get better? How can we know, you know, what those bottlenecks are? So we either can create a tool or do a training to get past those. And so first thing you have to start off with, why am I selling it? Why would somebody want the benefits of it? then you've got to create your sales process and understand that. I mean, they're, they're just very, very simple steps or stages um, in your sales process, but you've got qualification, you've got discovery, then some type of internal business review. Go back, um, can I, should I, do I make money doing it, right? And then you go back and you've got to present a solution. You've got to present pricing, then you have to close. I mean, that's, that's a very simple way to look at it. But then underneath all those stages, you're going to build some tools and so forth to help you get through those stages. Yeah, Bill, I love that. And you're already living up to your claim to fame. I love the the name of your business is Simplified Sales Strategies. And I knew that a lot of today's episode is going to be about that simplification. It goes in line with one of my favorite ever Einstein quotes where he says, if you want to impress someone, make it complicated. If you want to help someone, make it simple. So Bill, I'm excited for you to further that with us here today. Talk to us about that. Because when you lay it out there from the qualification to putting essentially a pitch together saying, hey, here's why this makes sense for both parties, it's sounds so simple, but obviously we all get in our own heads. We get intimidated. We get afraid of sales. I'm sure you know this. Like It's the most scary topic for most people. Where is it that we go wrong? Why is it that this is such a scary thing for us? Well, when, when most people walk in, because they're nervous, what they want to do is talk. Okay. When, when, when you go in and do sales, you know, it, you go back to the basics, the 80, 20 rule, right? And um, it's you talk 20% of the time, they talk 80% of the time. But if you don't have a what we call a prospect profile, you know, what are the questions I'm asking? There should be three to five qualification questions. You know, hey, do they need me? And um, can they afford to pay me? Right. You know, whatever those simple questions are for, for your industry. And so you take those qualification questions then you go to the discovery questions, which are deeper dives, understanding how they're doing, uh, what they're doing, it's just open-ended questions. And, um, but when you go to the qualification questions, everybody says, ask a dope open-ended questions all the time. You don't have to three to five, um, know what's out there and then go into your discovery um, stage. And if you don't understand what those questions are, you need to write them down. And it's funny is, you know, it's as simple as, you know, when you go, you know, I sell all the time, I close everything. And that entrepreneur comes back and says, I don't know how to, my salespeople don't do what I do. Well, because you haven't documented what you're doing. 
I mean, sometimes it's as simple as, you know, hitting record on your phone and putting it in your front pocket, right? And then, then going back and writing the questions that you're asking and then fine tuning those and getting them down on paper. Again, it's getting everything. Entrepreneurs, when they're managing, I don't care if it's a hundred million dollar business or, you know, a startup, you have to have documentation of your sales process so you can get better. Yeah, Bill, hearing you say that so early on in today's session about you should be talking 20% of the time, listening 80% of the time. I think back to when I was in my early 20s and I just started my marketing agency up in Boston. Bill, I thought I had all the answers. I thought I could walk in there and convince anyone to buy anything from me. And that's where, as I matured as an entrepreneur and as a salesperson and just as a person in general, I really realized that I don't want to be in the convincing business. This isn't the the business that I want to be in. What is that delicate balance? Because for people who haven't gone through this process just yet. They haven't had enough reps when it comes to sales conversations. They haven't had enough experience when it comes to that. They probably feel like they're in the convincing business and that's why they talk so much. Talk to us about how you view that role of convincing or if you even do it all in sales and how we balance listening with getting someone to actually want to buy something. There's a couple different pieces. One is what what are the steps of your appointment? Okay. I mean, we go back to... I got my sales training when I first came out of college from a small company called ADP, selling paychecks to one to 99 um, employees. And um, ADP was a great place to go and learn sales and um, cut your teeth, so to speak. And so when, when you're that, that fine line of going between when to talk, when to not talk, ask your questions. Right. But see, a lot of people make the fatal mistake of, going what I call tit for tat, right? You ask your question, right? And they say, um, well, quality, quality is a big issue, Bill, man. We're, we're getting crap from our current uh, vendor, you know, and it, it just messes me up. It costs me time and everything else. And then instantly that salesperson wants to jump in and talk about that. Okay. When really you star that, Okay. Keep asking your questions, go through the notes, because what if you ask him that question and you answered it and he's all on board. She says, great. I love this. I want you. And then you ask 10 more questions that no, they're doing great. No, they're doing great. Okay. So now I'm getting diminishing marginal returns. But if you ask your questions and star the points and go back and talk about those, because then you can put them in any order you want. But you star those, you go back and talk to them about what's important to them. And so now when I'm going into my close, it's it's going like this. It's an upward slope, right? And so that that's what's important. I think people, salespeople make a fatal mistake of doing that, tit for tat. Yeah, that's a really good contrast because it is so hard for us until you've had that experience. And I love how you talk about cutting your teeth in big business. It's such a great playground to hone these skills and for sure to get those reps in versus, you know, if you're just starting out your business, you don't have leads. You don't have anyone to have these conversations with. So I love that perspective, Bill. I want to ask you about questions because it's a word that you've said probably 50 times already in today's session, which shows how important they are to you in any sales process. What types of questions can we be asking? Because contrary to popular belief, I I tend to believe, Bill, that you agree with me that there could be some bad questions and there are definitely some good questions. That's why if you don't have them written out and you train to them, okay, 
it, it's a fatal mistake. And so you end up talking about the squirrels and all the other different things. And so what we want to be able to do is write down the questions that are pertinent to you. You know, what have you uncovered? What, what are they suffering from? You know, what keeps them up at night? It, it, it's funny is that um, I have a I have a lot of manufacturers. I got business services clients. And one of these service clients has uh, um, outsourced um, HR director. And one of them is outsourced CFO. And with those outsourced CFO and HR director, I said, so what questions, how does that change between the two? And they said, well, we got to do this. We got to do this. It's the same questions you're asking about their business. Okay. What's keeping them up at night? Um, you know, what's slowing them down? What could be better? Okay. And understanding those questions and writing them down and from your top sales reps to your, your new people and understanding what they're asking and making sure that you not control, but you, you know what they're going to ask. So when I go on a sales meeting with the sales rep, I know what they're going to ask. Okay. Because this is typically how you uncover, you know, their needs and so forth. But with those open-ended questions, you just want to get it. You want the time you spend with them. It's funny is that I'm going to, I'm going to digress a second in the sense that, um, so many people, I spend so much time going into clients and slowing down their sales and I'm going to, their sales process because not slowing down sales, slowing down the sales process, big difference. Um, because they're going out there and I'll get a sales rep and says, man, I went and met with them. I spent two hours with them. They love me, Bill, man. They're, they, I said, so how'd you leave it? And so I'm supposed to call them next Monday and then I'm back in there and uh, we're going to figure out how to close, you know, how to work together. Right. And um, then Monday, and then our Wednesday meeting rolls around. I said, well, how'd Monday go? What happened? And they say, well, I, I didn't get a hold of them. Okay. Then the next week, what happened? They ghosted them and so forth. So the key thing in your sales is you have to get the prospect emotionally invested in the solution. And the, the way you do that into you and the way you do that is by spending time with them. Okay. If I get um, prospect, I'll get my clients that go out there and spend at 45 minutes to an hour just doing discovery. And um, then when you leave them, you want to leave them wanting more. Okay. And so that when I'm closing for the next meeting, okay, understand what you're closing for, understand your sales process. If you've got a nail and you're selling nails, Okay. You might be able to do that in a couple meetings or one. If you're selling a piece of equipment, okay, it's a longer sales process. If you walk out and saying, you know, I met with them for two hours. They love me, Bill. It's great. Okay. Then they ghost you. It's because the salesperson that they had outsold you. Okay. You did, you gave them all the information that they felt they needed versus going back and giving them more and getting a chance to like you even more. Like and sales like equals, equals trust, right? And so that's where I find a lot of people make a mistake. They go out and try and speed that sales process up and you don't give them the opportunity to get emotionally invested in the solution and into you. 
Yeah, Bill, I'm going to call this out for listeners right here, right now. Allow them to get emotionally invested in the solution. That's such a different approach than most of us entrepreneurs, small business owners take because we haven't had that perspective. And I want to keep going deeper into this example. I think you chose here on the fly. I think you chose literally the perfect example of what so many of us do when it comes to sales. I can't tell you how many meetings I've walked out of, whether it was with boards of $10 million businesses back when I was running my marketing agency in Boston, or even just solo entrepreneurs that I was working with in some capacity or, or hoping to work with where it was the outcome that you just said, oh yeah, they said, let's follow up next week, which leads me to, it's always that delicate balance, Bill. I've never known how to, to, perfect that craft of, do I push them and try to say, hey, like let's let's make a decision today. Let's not let this wander because you're gonna keep getting the same results or lack of results that you've been getting. What's that balance of close? You know, we always see the, the Wolf of Wall Street approach, Jordan Belfort, always be closing, versus what you're talking about is, hey, let them have an emotional investment in it and let that build towards a predefined process that we can repeat. Where, where do you shake out in that debate? All right, I'm always closing, okay? But what am I closing for, okay? Am I closing for the next meeting, okay? That's the difference. And so if, you're, if they're making a bigger buying decision and you're talking to them, it's like, you know, I can let them off the hook up front. I say, you know, you, you, when, you, when you set up, you know, there's six steps to the appointment. All right, build rapport, set the agenda, brief company overview, pro present and close. And um, that, that's a, a whole meeting unto itself. But if you don't know what the steps are or a what those, it's just like vanilla. There's French vanilla, there's um, homemade vanilla, all these different, different types of vanilla. But it's those basic six um, steps. And you can have five, you can have four, but you still have to do the same things. But as you look at these, you want to make sure that as you go through your conversation, that up front, I can talk to them about, well, how do you, how do you make a decision for a piece of equipment this big? Okay. Well, typically what we do is what we found to be successful is we come out, we understand, we do a discovery, understand what, what you're trying to do. And um, then I'm going to come back and I might do a, I might bring a sales engineer with me. I might bring um, the COO, the operations guy, whoever that technical expert is, so I can do a deeper dive. But you have to know what you're closing for, and there has to be a reason for it. And, and a lot of times you can, you know, you just close them to the technical stage. But if you tell them what stages you're going through to make the decision, I'm not asking you for money today. We're going to figure it out. If it, we're going to understand what you're trying to do. And if I think I can help you and you think I can help you, most importantly, then, um, then, then I'm going to bring out someone else and we're talking, go into this a little bit deeper. Does that make sense? Gosh, Bill, I'll tell you what, my favorite types of answers when it comes to topics like this is not only is it a different perspective from what a lot of us are operating under, but it actually also takes the pressure off of ourselves and off of the people that we're talking to. Because as you said that, I almost felt myself coming more at ease because a lot of times I walk into the conversation thinking, gosh, how am I going to settle this person? But the answer is, well, I don't know how I'm going to sell to them because I don't know their situation just yet. So you just took all that pressure off of that conversation. We always hear it, you know, a lot of sales 
companies and a lot of sales teams these days will call things discovery calls. But we all know that that discovery call is not about discovery, it's about selling. But what you're talking about is true discovery calls, really getting to the root of it. And I love that approach. Bill, I've got to push you because you flew through it. The, the six steps of the meeting, that felt like gold right there, starting with rapport. Give us that rundown of each of those and, and what a successful part of that. Like what, what does successfully building rapport look like? What's our goal in each step of that meeting? Now, now you're challenging me to see if I can remember it slowly, right? So uh, build rapport. Okay. Everybody understands that you go in, you talk to them and um, you know, you're talking about the fish on the wall. You see the kids playing baseball. My kids play baseball. If it's important to you and you like it, you can talk to them about it. Okay. Everybody hears these different pieces. You know, this guy put a deer on the wall because he just does it for sales. And when they come in and talk to him, you know, he does it as a trap. You know, if you run across someone, I ran across a person like that once. And he said that I said, you know what? Thank you for your time. I chose not to do business with them just because why would I want to do, deal with a person like that? But usually people have out in their office, you know, things that are important to them, their picture of their kids. And so you build rapport. Everybody understands that. But the problem is that they spend too much time doing it. Okay. Building rapport, different industries. I'll, I'll say that to, to kind of save me here, but different industries, whatever, but um, 10 to 15 minutes tops. Okay. But we, what you want to do again, Everybody has to think of so many people think of selling, but they forget the psychology of selling. Okay. If I'm talking about, man, I could talk about baseball and kids all day long. And um, if you look at it and I'm talking to them and the upward slope is going, you know, we're talking about kids, the championships and what they did. And then you bring it back and say, Hey, Brian, you know what? I want to be cognizant of your time. I know I told you I would only be here an hour. Um, let's jump to it. Then on our way out, man, let's talk more about baseball. Okay, so build rapport. Okay, set the agenda. What are you going to do? Today? Again, how do you take off the pressure from them? Okay, so what I thought I would do today is um, I thought I'd ask you some questions. You know, I'd give you a brief company overview, tell you a little bit about what we do. Then I would ask you a few questions and understand if there's if there's a mix here, if, if, I, if I can help you and if you need the help, right? And then after that, then I'm gonna tell you how we can help you or possibly help you. And then at the end of that, if, if we get through the how I can help you, then I'm gonna close you for the next meeting, which is gonna be a deeper dive. Does that make sense? Bill, that seems too easy. Again, you're making sales seem too easy here. I'm gonna call it out because I'm frantically taking notes as you're going over this because that's a flow that I, the thing I really like about your structure, Bill, is it does apply to literally every business I've personally operated in. I'm like, gosh, I wish I knew this beforehand. And I'm even thinking at different price points. And, and that's why your approach of, am I closing for today or am I closing for a future meeting? It comes into that. If you're selling something for a few hundred bucks, you don't need that second meeting. Probably, but if you're selling a twenty thousand, two hundred thousand dollars service or engagement, then you are going to want to close for the future. So, for listeners, I'm frantically taking notes in case you all are driving or you're at the gym or who knows where you are. Build rapport, set the agenda, give that company overview, ask those questions, see if it's a match and if your solution makes sense for them, and then go for the close. Which, Bill, I'm sure listeners are saying, Brian, ask Bill about the close. It's the topic everyone wants to know about. Bill, when it does get to that close and we're talking about the deal close not necessarily just closing for the next meeting how the heck do we do that because i feel like that's a part where everybody freezes up if someone says great 
what's the price or something like that. What's your take on the clothes? Because there's different aspects of it that I want to ask about, but I want to hear your thoughts first. If you do the process, that's the easiest part. Okay. Because I would probably, let's just say something costs, it's a piece of equipment and it's um, 70 grand. Okay. You know, it's going to be around 70 grand. And so I manage, I would manage their expectations as I'm going through this sales process. Okay. So I might go to the technical dive. I might say, you know, yeah, the piece of equipment somewhere between, you know, 63 and um, 79, 79,000, depending on the bells and whistles and what you want and so forth. Um, that makes sense. They'll say yes. Okay. That makes sense because it's a the fair market price. And so as I'm going through it, I've said that, right? I'm managing their expectation to that cost. So if you've done your <clears throat> deep dive, you've done your discovery, you've done your, your technical meeting, understanding how you can help them. Then when you go back, if you look at, um, your sales process, right? And the stages, you've got qualification, discovery, internal business review. Okay, that's where you go back to the office and do, can I, should I, do I make money doing it? And um, then you're going to go back and do a technical meeting. Then you're going to present your solution. Then you present your price. That could be the same meeting. Okay. And um, then close. But the piece of this is if you don't separate your business solution from your price, okay, then they're always just saying, oh, no, you're too expensive. That's the easiest thing to say. But if you do your, 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 your business solution first, I've talked about what their needs were. Does this fulfill your needs? Is this going to help you um, be more efficient? Whatever those hot buttons were. And they're going to say, yes. Well, I told you it was going to be somewhere between um, 62 and 79. We came in at 70. Any questions? Great. Then let's talk about how we get this started. Yeah. Is there more you want to add to that, Bill? Because I want to dive right in. I'm excited to ask you something that I know listeners are going to be chomping at the bit for. Go ahead. That is, it, the way that you talk about your process, it almost sounds to me like there are no surprises along the way because there shouldn't be surprises along the way. What I'm hearing so much from you today, which is something I didn't really expect, is really the way you view sales is correctly managing expectations on both sides. And that's where there is this age-old debate, especially in the agency world. And I know a lot of our listeners are in the agency side of business. That's a very popular business model. And their big question always is, and I could argue you both sides of it is should we show our prices on our website and obviously there's no universal answer here bill but i'd love to hear your take on that um depending on the industry right but um for you know if it's if it's if it's just always price okay then then yes go ahead post it okay but if you're selling a solution then no, I wouldn't. But let me talk, let me ask you this, Brian, because I think this is where you were going. What do you do when someone throws you a curveball? You're sitting in the meeting, you're going there to present, you've asked all your questions, everything's great. Man, I'm gonna close this, I'm so excited. Then you go and sit down, and now the CEO's sitting on the meeting. So the problem is you keep selling. Okay, the CEO walks in or a different decision maker. Okay, 
and you keep selling to what you were doing. What you want to do is, you know, hey, Brian, thank, thank you for, for attending today. I really appreciate it. Um, what I want to do is recap kind of what what we had discovered and understood and, you know, things that we're trying to accomplish with this piece of equipment. And um, so you walk them through it. Okay. You walk them through the, the hot buttons and so forth that, that you uncovered. And I said, then you look at them and say, did I get all of them? Am I missing anything? Because I want to get his groceries on the list because he ain't going to buy if his groceries aren't on the list. Okay. It could be the, um, the, the you, you never know the situation, right? The CFO could be in there and um, everybody hates the CFO because he's the no guy. And then the operations guy comes in. He doesn't want to do it. But if you get his groceries on the list, then he's going to want to do it. So you have to recognize that and um, kind of pivot a little bit to make sure you get their groceries on the list. You see a um, dry erase board behind me. Okay. When I go in, I'm going to present and I'm really going to have those um, challenges and opportunities on, 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 on the board that I'm presenting. Right. And then if he doesn't see his, okay, I'm going to put him on the board. So he does see his, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to start writing them down. So what, what do you, if he starts having other things that he'd like to get, then I'm making sure I'm putting them on there. Then I'll answer it on the fly. Or I might have to come back and talk to him. Yeah, I love that perspective. I'm a visual person. So to me, the example that you use of getting his groceries on the list, it's absolutely spot on. What I also picture is that, Bill, if you were watching a movie with your kids and I strolled into the room halfway through the movie, you're not just going to be like, Sit down, Brian, figure it out. You're going to try to catch me up. And you're right. The, the last piece of catching someone up is to ask, what else can I fill in for you? Because if you're telling me about all these characters and I'm still like, wait, who's Joe? And then you're going to be able to fill that in for me, but only if you ask. So I love that perspective, Bill. There's so many important lessons there. We're flying through today's session. I already know listeners are going to e be emailing me saying, hey, can you have Bill back on? So Bill, we're definitely going to have to talk about that after here today. But one other topic, I'm, I'm just trying to squeeze a little bit more genius out of you. One other topic that I feel like people fall into is objection handling. And it's this, an essential part of it. It fits in with what we're talking about today is obviously listening, getting their groceries on the list. What is your philosophy on that? Because it is the one part that obviously we can prepare for it, but it's the one part that we might feel the least prepared for because who knows what their objections are going to be. Walk us through objection handling. Um, when, when you're dealing with objection, there, there's, there's ones like you're on the phone trying to make an appointment, you get an objection, right? And, um, those, you should just be able to fire back. Okay. You know, Bill, you know, I'm really busy. Okay. Hey Joe, if you're like, you know, my other clients, it, 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 let me put it this way. Um, Joe Smith at Dow, you know, I made these calls. He's always busy. You can never find him. Okay. I stayed after him. I was persistent. I can tell you, I'd like to come out and share with you why he now takes my call, how I've helped him and made him more efficient with what he's doing because I'm dependable. Can we talk about this next Tuesday? But, um, you know, I've got, um, you know, well, I already have two vendors or I have three vendors I use right now. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Which one's, which one shines the best? Well, it's such and such. Why do they shine the best? What if you had three vendors that were that good? Wouldn't that make your life easier? I said, look, I don't, I haven't earned the right to replace number one, but I sure would like the opportunity to 
replace two or three. Would you give me that opportunity? Can we come out Tuesday and talk about it? Yeah, I love that, Bill. Part of me wonders, when I see you do this in real time, I'm like, well, it looks effortless to you. And one thing I always caution listeners about is that when it looks effortless, it's through practice. It's through those reps. How do we get to that point, Bill? Is it just practice? Is there some way that we can prepare for objection handling? What's what's your approach to even getting to that point? If your folks can answer those objections, I mean, you got to make it fun, right? As you do your training, you do the things, you onboard someone, and, you know, uh, it, it's funny, my clients, it's a, uh, this is Bill. I role play a lot. Um, you know, this is Bill. And they said, Bill, I went home and I, I dreamt. I had a nightmare. This is Bill. And I said, but you remembered it. Okay. It is what I hate is people go to sales trainings or go, <clears throat> they take copious notes and set it on the corner of their desk and never talk about it again. Okay. Take what's important and brainwash it. You have to role play. It's easier, easier to role play with a client than it is with a group of your peers. That's why you must role play with your peers and your bosses because it's harder. They know what you should say. So if you don't just brainwash it, so it just rolls, rolls off your tongue. Okay. I learned it. learned this at ADP because they made a game. You, if, if they said, um, Bill, I'm too busy. You'd have to stand up and answer it. Okay. Um, make it fun. You don't have to beat people, but just kind of make a game of it. Make it fun. And um, because all you're doing is making them more efficient. They got someone on the phone and they blew it because they couldn't answer some simple objection. Okay. The hardest thing is getting them on the phone. The easiest thing is answering the objection if you've practiced and you brainwashed yourself to understand how to do it. Okay. The first no you get now, I go back to the old Zig Ziglar, right? Is the first no you get is K-N-O-W. They weren't expecting your call. They don't know anything about you. Okay, so you have to be able to come back. Yeah, I love that because it's also actionable. Listeners, you know that every episode, I'm trying to throw some actions at you that you can do, you can implement to spark that business growth that you've been looking for. Bill just gave you a very clear one that you can do with anyone, your spouse, your friends. We're all good at coming up with objections when someone's trying to sell to us, let them, let them throw their objections at you because you're going to start gaining that practice. So I love that perspective, Bill. I want let to, is there, one thing yeah, go ahead, please do because I don't want to go off without talking about this. Okay. We call it the recipe for success. Okay. What should your sales rep or what you should do as a salesperson every week to be successful? Okay. What's your scorecard? Okay. And what, what is that made up of? And um, this is our scorecard and it's, it doesn't change typically too much in industries. I don't care if it's white collar, blue collar, gray collar, you might make a couple minor adjustments, but you're still doing the same things. You know, if um, you got client visits, you've got prospect appointments, what we call two plus appointments. Okay. That's prospect appointments that convert. If you had eight prospect appointments, I expect you to convert at least half of those into two plus appointments. Then you've got, um, you know, your um, reference referrals. How many referrals you get that week? Bill, I get referrals all the time. I said, great. Can you get two? They said, yep. And then what happens is they come to the next two meetings. Oh, I didn't get any. Okay. We're going to do a quick training on how to get a referral. Ask. 
right? Let's do it one more time. Ask. And we say that in the meetings. It just gets to be funny. And it's a joke. And uh, dude, I just forgot to ask. And um, you have to ask. That is one number that will go up in exponentially. If you track it, because they know they're coming in the meeting, they must ask it. Okay. How many networking meetings are going on? Get going to going to um, have a cup of coffee early in the morning or depending on your company's rules, a beer, you know, after hours with someone that's selling to the same decision makers you are. Okay. How can you get me in here if I get you in there? Right. And then one of the most important KPIs to management is future appointments. How many future appointments does your salesperson have? Okay. And typically we add these up and I'm looking for at least three weeks worth of appointments. So if I had to go on three client appointments, eight prospect appointments and convert four of those. Okay. That is 15. Okay. Those basic appointments. I got to go on a networking appointment. How many of those do I go on? Okay. Let's just say one a week. So that's 16, 16 times four is 48. Okay. So I'm looking for 48 from Friday at the end of the day to 60 days or so. I want to see 48 appointments on the calendar and you have to start them off with like 20, but they'll get there because they get in the habit of asking appointments. So I had my sales rep come in on Monday and they got two appointments set and they needed 16. They're going to take any appointment they can get. So is a business running them or are they running their business? This is the most important management KPI. When they come back and they've got their 48, they get their 20, 22, and they walk in, they've got 12 appointments set of the 16. They're going to be very picky on the appointments they do go on. And we want them to be, right? Just don't take any appointment. We, we want them to be efficient. So that's the piece on the scorecard. The recipe for success. What do I need to do weekly to produce sales? Sales are a byproduct of good activities. Okay. Activities are lead indicators. Sales are lag indicators. I don't typically let someone go for sales. I let them go for activities. Yeah, gosh, Bill, I'm glad you snuck that in because I'll tell you what, knowing you as well as I already do, we can talk about all these different aspects of sales right there. But I think here at the end of today's session, you just revealed one of your secrets truly to life. It's something that you and I talked about even before we hit record here today, which is that accountability. And listeners, you all have been pushed in a big way from Bill here today, not only to get better at sales, which a lot of that means get better at asking questions and listening and finding those solution matches and allowing your prospects to get emotionally attached to that solution. But you also heard right here, Bill just revealed his real life scorecard. This stuff isn't hypothetical from him. This is the real type of accountability that he implements in his own companies. But Bill's also extraordinary at helping sales teams get off the ground. So if you are looking to hire salespeople for your own business, or you're looking to outsource your sales to dedicated sales teams, these are the types of metrics that are going to drive that growth. So gosh, Bill, you have been a wealth of knowledge here today. Is there something more you want to add? Yes, they've got, if you can either do a link to it, whatever you want to do. If you go to uh, my YouTube, Simplified Sales Strategies, Bill Bradshaw, <clears throat> most of these are videos, less than eight minutes. 
Yeah, well, that's a perfect segue for me, Bill, because where I want to leave this session today is I want to give you the stage. I know that listeners will want more of that. And that's something that, gosh, do I love that you commit to creating that much value. And, and it's on YouTube. It's not a paid course. It's something that you put out there for free for everybody because you're passionate at sales. You're incredibly skilled and talented at sales after having so many reps. I'm going to put that disclaimer in there for listeners so that you don't get discouraged by Bill's aptitude for this stuff. It comes through reps. So Bill, your YouTube, give, give us all the links right now. Where do you want listeners to go from here to find out all the awesome stuff that you're up to? Um, I would just, if, if you're really interested in what I've discussed today, go to YouTube. Simplify Sales Strategies, Google, you know, Google. You go to YouTube, look up Simplify Sales Strategies, Bill Bradshaw, you'll see him. And you'll see this mug on that face, on that on that video. And um, But we, I go into some depth on it. And um, you'll understand a little bit more. If you see some videos that you'd like, just um, tell me. Or if you want to go into something deeper, tell Brian. But the whole idea is that if you don't have a process, you don't have a process. And it's got to be written out. Yes, listeners, you all know the drill wherever it is that you're tuning into today's episode. We are linking directly to Bill's YouTube channel down below so you can go and get that content. But the most important thing is you also already see how accessible and generous Bill is with his wisdom. So definitely go check out his YouTube channel. What we're also doing for all of you listeners down below is linking to Bill's personal LinkedIn as well so you can connect with him there if you follow up questions as well as his business website. I personally love his business website because at the root of it is simplified sales strategy. There's so much awesome content on there about how to simplify this stuff. So all of it is really in depth. Obviously, we've had Bill for almost 45 minutes here today, but at the root of it, go get more on his YouTube channel. Reach out to him. He's a real person who's really helping people and is really committed to this. So Bill, thank you so much for being so generous and joining us here today on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Hey, it's Brian here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at thewantrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you, and it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to thewantrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.